I know in my own life I've fallen into sort of cycles of kind of depression during times of of not being able to find the, a job when I really needed a job. And man, if you if you become immobile, if you slow down, man, it is hard to come back up to speed. Yeah. But if you're moving around at all, it's not that hard to begin to move around in a more profitable and productive way. All right, welcome to another episode of the Essential Craftsman Podcast. I'm Nate. I've got my dad here, the Essential Craftsman. How are you doing? Good. Great day. We are in the middle of our coronavirus quarantine. We've got friends and family and everybody getting laid off and jobs and hours cut and small businesses getting squeezed. It's looking like uh, we've got some, I don't know, tough times coming up ahead and uh What's on your mind as you're seeing this all happen? I guess it's familiar to me, or at least the uh, the emotion is familiar to me because over the last, well, Kelly and I got married when we were 20 in 1978, and about the first thing that happened after we were married and we moved back from Washington where she finished school as a vet tech, veterinary technician, we moved back down to Roseburg and I got established as a pretty much know-nothing general contractor just in time for the economy to crater. So it was real recession, locally and nationally. So we moved to Wyoming. That economy was good. I got established there as a carpenter, learned something. Let, just in- let me cut in real quick. In other words, when you were 20, you thought you had a new kind of credential or career path, and all of a sudden, within how long of a period did it take for the economy to kind of shut the door on you? Okay, so that not quite right. Married at 20, worked as a carpenter for other people for a couple of years, built a sawmill, started working the sawmill, and had a general contractor's license. Kind of, I was immediately drawn to flying under my own flag, mm-hmm. sailing under my own flag. And, uh, and that I just kind of got established with those things just about the time the economy tanked here. So that was mm-hmm. major recession number one. Moved to Wyoming. The economy was good, stayed there for five years. At about the four-year mark, the economy began to tank and tanked really hard. Um, that was recession number two. Moved to Las Vegas, immediately went to work in a booming economy. And in the eight years we were there, there were about two downturns. Downturns. I don't know, Las Vegas was so vital and so growing and so it was such a boomtown atmosphere that even a, a downturn turn there felt like a thriving economy to me having come from Oregon and Wyoming but still I remember having to change jobs and the uncertainty of a week or two or three with little work and then so that those were recessions moved back up here to Oregon in 94 and Oregon it seems like about every six or seven years has some sort of a downturn and so we've just kind of coasted through those time and time and time again what were those you know maybe Think about Wyoming or the times, especially when you were younger, when those recessions would hit. What what would that actually translate to to, to you? Like a boss saying, I don't need you today and, and reducing hours? Or was it actually getting laid off and sort of pink slipped and said, sorry, I'll call you if I ever need you again? Or what what was the, the specifics of your... I, you know, I, I worked for a couple of small builders and you saw it coming because the house we were working on at the time 
the boss would say, you know, I don't have, I don't have anything else under contract, boys. I don't have much else to go to. I, you know, there's nothing, I don't have anything. Or maybe he would pick up a little remodel and a couple of us would go there for a little bit while the main project was moving along. Mm-hmm. But everyone could see the handwriting on the wall that when we drive the last nail here, unless he comes in next week and says, great, I just signed something up. If that doesn't happen, we're all out of work together. Mm-hmm. And I only drew one unemployment check in my life. I don't, I'm not exactly sure why, I guess because maybe I didn't spend too much time unemployed. I guess that's what that means. I would go out and find something. Mm-hmm. But after we moved back to Oregon and I got you know logged with dad and then got my license again and started in, there were plenty of hungry months where work was just really scarce and with no unemployment check to draw because that's something people don't understand about small business is that when the recession hits for a small businessman, which can mean nothing more than a contract fell through or he failed to get a loan or an employee wrecked the truck or it could be any number of things, there is no unemployment check for the guy who signs the checks. And it's it's a cold, lonely feeling. Yeah, you know, when, when people are getting laid off from an office job, that seems a little more brutal because you, you go to work in this office every day and then you... you get a note or a call in or an email from your boss saying, you are laid off, don't come back. Right. That, that is black and white and got to be right. shocking. And then the next day you're at home with your family and kids in the middle of the day, which is not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a self-employed person or even a person in the trades might be kind of in and out of the house occasionally throughout the day and yeah. is sort of always kind of moving around and doesn't have one desk that they occupied for yeah. three years or something so it's kind of yeah. they're kind of different and not not saying like the the pain is different but they certainly would be a different experience getting laid off from a desk job i, I guess i hadn't thought of that much and i kind of it's hard for me to relate to the fact that for that office job that office is your that's your livelihood whereas for a tradie you know tradie tradesman tradeswoman your livelihood is what you know and your tools and the people you know and so you know, there's because I know electricians and plumbers and all all the time working in the trades on a payroll, the guys I was working around had little side jobs they were taking mm-hmm. without contractors' licenses, without formal agreements, not understanding anything about contracts, but people would identify a young plumber or a young electrician or a young carpenter and say, Hey, could you come do this task for me? So there's sort of a you feel like you're working over just a little bit of a net. Yeah. Because you might know somebody to call that you've put off for a month or two to go back over and do that, finish up that job or the next mm-hmm. phase or something. And that that's never enough to support your family to the same standard of living that you enjoyed when you were when you had that steady check. But at least it makes you feel like there's a plan B. Yeah, for sure. And there's certainly something about, you know, working with your hands and being able to like I said, even just help a buddy out for yeah. you know, twenty bucks is it's still work, kind of. Whereas yeah. if your job is, you know, using this software that only the company has, and that's yeah. where your expertise is, and and without yeah. being at that desk, you kind of don't have the ability to work in in a similar way. That just feels, I guess, to me, it feels like it'd be more painful mm-hmm. and scarier and harder. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the next level of professional, if the doctors and lawyers, and that sort of sector of our society. I wonder how often they encounter this and we'll probably hear in the comments. Yeah. But I can see that, you know, junior level attorneys could be dismissed. Yeah. Um, I, I don't often hear of a doctor being 
let go. Although I, you know, occasionally there's a story in a newspaper about misconduct or something. But yeah. it's I've often thought it seems like medicine would be a fairly recession-proof field. I think that living a carpenter's life and spending a fair amount of time with that fairly hand-to-mouth, um, or at least paycheck to paycheck, or close, to, you know, not not radically different than that. And having a wife who is so tolerant of not, and and she she is not at all trapped into the keep up with the neighbor, keep up with the Joneses thing, mm-hmm. and has, has has enabled us to keep our overhead down a little. And probably all of us right now, looking at this uncertainty, are thinking, hmm, maybe I could have kept my overhead a little lower, and mm-hmm. and thinking, what can I do now in this moment to reduce my overhead? And maybe in the first days or weeks or hours or months of a financial change, we can reduce our overhead mm-hmm. suddenly even accepting much less than we might have a month ago for something that just continues to eat with an interest payment or something. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that has helped me through recessions and financial downturns is having a wife who was an easy keeper, who was frugal and had reasonable expectations. And so we were able to live um, a lifestyle that was at least somewhere close to what we could afford. Yeah. So that no matter what came, if it was going to be painful, it wouldn't be fatally painful. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, it makes me think you mentioned reducing overhead, and it it should be mentioned that at least in a lot of cases, that's what's happening in a layoff. Yeah. A company is reducing their overhead, and man, everybody's taking a yeah. taking a loss. I, I was listening to some people today who who say that no, it won't take us long to get back on our feet once this health uncertainty is done. It won't take long. Boy, I hope that's true. We think of recessions at the macro. But the fact is, recessions come in all sizes and affect any size group of people you want to talk about. A young woman has a job, and it's enough of a job to buy a car and to pay the insurance and buy the fuel because her parents are responsible and are making sure that she's pulling her own weight as much as she can. And then she wrecks the car. And she didn't hurt herself much, but the car's dead. Mm -hmm. And maybe she hadn't paid the insurance, and so she still has the... Who knows what the scenario is, but that girl all of a sudden has her own personal recession mm-hmm. and it's real and it hurts and then the next step up might be you know families can have recessions if 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 dad loses his job or if dad breaks his leg or if if mom's working and if her income is important to the family and she's laid off now it's the family that has a recession regardless of what's going on in the town yeah. and i think you can step that up and think of calamities maybe a flood in a town or an yeah. earthquake in a region or the price of timber uh, timber is shut off because of environmental concerns right up through the state level and the region level yeah. until today it's everybody's feeling some pain and uncertainty and yeah. it's all a recession right we're kind of concerned also you know there's just uncertainty when these things are happening and you don't know what's coming next and we are in a business right now that does have some exposure so we're these are the thoughts we're having feeling some exposure like what if uh, what's going to happen with Mm-hmm. You know, all of the advertisers on YouTube, if that changes, that's going to make a pretty major impact. We have this house that's halfway built that is going to, it's got to get finished one way or another. And so if it, there's going to be a trickle through effect if, if YouTube gets hurt. And, and yeah. I, I just don't know. So I hope the viewers and listeners understand that while we haven't maybe been laid off in the same way some of you may have. Lately. Lately. <laughs> it definitely feels possible that we could be experiencing something uh you know, in our own way. All right. So I've got a little list here of ideas or ways to get through this. Um, 
Uh, first thing on my list here, worry about the things that are in your control. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I, I, I think, I think, I think it's productive if you can do it. I've never been, I've never been able to do that. I talk about, I, I visit with people sometimes that say when they reach, when they get into a problem, I don't worry. I just work on a solution. Well, man, that would be nice. Yeah. That would be really nice. In fact, if I, if you could bottle that, you would never have your own personal recession, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I don't know how to just worry about the things that are in my control. But I have learned that if I can just go to work on the things that are in my control, it helps. Yeah, that's the, it's, there is a part of this that's really not helpful because when a rent payment is due or a mortgage <laughs> payment is due and the money's not in the account... <laughs> Um, you have to worry about it. You, you can't have say, to worry. Well, it's not in my control whether there's money in the account. It's you can't just brush it off that easy. You cannot. Okay. Uh, maintain a positive mindset. I, I guess that's similar here, but certainly that's uh, to be attempted. It's to be attempted, and that that I think is a personality thing too. My, my friend. So you've met Phil Rokas, Phil the plumber. Phil has a brother, Mike, who's also a plumber, a very talented guy in his own right. And Mike is the most optimistic person I've ever met. Hmm. I think I think Mike can do this no matter what is going on. He can maintain a positive mindset. Yeah. And um, I envy that a little bit. Yeah. You know that that no matter what is falling apart around him, he keeps busy. He's fairly realistic about what's going on, but he he does not seem to get caught up in the dark side of things. Yeah. And that might be it. if nothing else, don't. Try not to have a 100% negative mindset. Amen to that. Because that absolutely will have effects on you in a lot of ways and maybe just have like office hours of when you can be negative and then... <laughs> Does that... Has that ever worked? Can you switch it? No, you can't. No. <laughs> you can't. I, I talk about... I, I read <laughs> things about, you know, leave your work problems at home so when you get yeah. home, you are not a net loss to your family for having come home. You I know, don't, I don't get that. I don't get it. And the reason you don't get it is because you never saw it modeled growing up, okay? I would come home and just be kind of vibrating, you know, all the time, I think. That's but, probably, like we said, there's just so many differences in professions and industries where I'm sure there are some jobs where if you're not at that desk, you kind of don't have to worry about it. And maybe this is yeah. where it swings the other way in, in the trades or in, in self-employment. Yeah. Like at my house, I mean, if I'm home, I am at the office and mm-hmm. I am working. There's mm-hmm. That's it. There's yeah. kind of no separation. I'll be like... Yep either eating dinner or feeding a kid while I'm at my computer working. So it's, so, so that's something to be aware of because self-employment hangs out there kind of as the Holy grail of the American dream for a lot of people. It's right up there with your own house and a four wheel drive pickup and you know, whatever else people hold in their mind. But self-employment is a double edged sword that cuts both ways. You know, you have the freedom to work yourself to death. Yeah. That's what self-employment is, complete freedom to work yourself into an early grave. Yeah. But the freedom's worth something, but it is freedom can be really exhausting. Yeah, exactly. Okay, next one, uh, stay busy and active. That's probably a guaranteed good idea. At least, <laughs> I don't know about busy, but active. Like, yeah. go on a walk, get out of the house, yeah. change the scenery, some of that. That has to just be a good idea. Yeah. I know in my own life I've fallen into sort of cycles of kind of depression during times of of not being able to find the, a job when I really needed a job. And man, if you if you become immobile, if you slow down, man, it is hard to come back up to speed. Yeah. But if you're moving around at all, it's not that hard to begin to move around in a more profitable and productive way. Yeah, that is exactly it. And it's there's like a, a momentum factor when you yeah. momentum of 
going through motions and leaving the house and taking a shower first thing yep. and going on a run and once you lose that momentum and you're waking up yep. later and you're on youtube for a couple hours yep. before you do anything else like all of a sudden the time of the day just kind of slips away and Gone. and i could see it would be easy to be a little depressed or maybe really depressed yeah. if you have a if you have a lack of momentum yeah yeah what's that guy it was a, a navy officer or somebody somewhere gave this talk that has gotten some public play about make your bed that that he had this routine that he would recommend to young people that you get up and you make your bed like this and as the first thing you did when your feet hit the floor you turn around and made your bed that is if you don't turn around and pray okay but but the idea was that everything that happened after that happened because you took the initiative in that moment to discipline yourself to get out of the sack and then put it together get some order in your life and get moving so little routines like that i think probably are critically important I wrote take advantage of time on here, but that, that that's kind of staying busy and active. And So at 62, I've got a fair amount to say about that, and that is I, I've wasted way too much time. And a thing called opportunity costs yeah. begins to be a factor. Yeah. Not much when you're 30, but I can tell you when you're 60, you don't have time to waste. There's no time to waste if you're going to accomplish anything. And when you're in a personal recession and you know that by a certain date, if everything remains equal, you're going to have real trouble you got to make something happen and minutes count because minutes stack up into hours and pretty soon the morning shot. And if you've shot the morning, you might as well throw away the whole day. And first thing you know, it's Friday again and you haven't done anything to solve the problem. Next item on here I wrote, if you're fine, reach out to friends and family who are going through with this. And I think that really is important. I, I, I have a friend who has gone through this recently and I didn't realize what a hard time he was having until I kind of was chatting with him for another reason. And then he kind of told me, he's like, oh yeah, by the way, this happened, this pretty scary thing happened to him. And I was kind of like, I felt instantaneously guilty and mm -hmm. like, like, oh my gosh, I am like, I, what was I doing? Why wasn't I like checking on you that yeah. whole time? I am so sorry. I didn't realize and uh, that wasn't his point, but right. I definitely felt some responsibility like, oh man, I should have kind of checked on him a little bit in those couple so, years. So here's the thing on that. And that is so important that what we're involved with right now, I don't know how serious the actual health concerns are going to be of the people in your in in our sphere. You know, the people, and I don't know how many of the people that we know are going to get sick in a life-threatening way, but maybe some, and I don't know how many of the people we know are going to have financial difficulties that will radically change their standard of living, maybe some, but to have that moment with your friend, with maybe a, a larger number of people who are even closer, living in closer proximity, how are we going to feel in the back end of this if we didn't even walk across the street, knock on the door, and say, "Hey, how you doing?" Yeah. And then something I heard from Dave Ramsey the other day, because he's ranting on this, he just can't believe that we're killing the economy over this, because oh. he's an economy guy, right? Yeah. He's a dollar-driven guy, and with a lot of good advice. But he said that when you're out of work, as soon as you're laid off, you start to generate related to staying busy and active. You do something to generate some cash flow, even if it is, even if it's just a fraction of what you might have thought was worthwhile the day before when you had your job. You do something to get the meter the meter spinning in the wrong direction to slow it up a little bit. That helps a lot of morale issues, even if it doesn't make a significant difference in your profit yeah. and loss statement. Yeah, you even just interacting with people yeah. and being active and having like. Seeing some dollars in your pocket that weren't there yeah. that morning, I think that's that's really smart. And that reminds me of the quote from I think it's Ben Franklin: "A penny saved is a penny earned." Mm -hmm. I never yeah. actually understood that till way too late. I was probably twenty five, and I realized 
I always thought it was a penny saved, like um, like you put one in your bank account, right? That right. that's earned, and I never right. it never made sense because I was kind of like, well, I already did earn it, so yeah, right. But no, no, no. It means a penny saved, like a penny not spent yes. is a penny earned. Yes. In other words, cut back. So lay off your the cable TVs is is um probably nobody's paying for that anyways, but yeah. it would make sense to to cut back on some bills and some luxury things. And I'm sure people going through this are already doing They're that. They're thinking but, those thoughts. Yeah. But it's, it's part of it. Yeah, it is part of it. Okay. The last thing I've got here, and this is, um, again, a lot of this might be kind of obvious these days, but it certainly is a good time to learn some new skills. And mm-hmm. these days, separate from what we talk about in our channel of, you know, workbench hobbies, you know, which do take a little money. I know it might not be the time to start a blacksmithing or welding hobby. <laughs> um, but you can get on YouTube and learn all kinds of software and, um, you know, Photoshop and illustrator and video editing and animation yeah. and yeah. QuickBooks. You, you can spreadsheets, you can really learn some valuable skills. When these things happen, I remember in 2008 feeling, I was just coming out of school, but feeling like, well, this is the way the world is. Almost like it would always be that way. Right. The same way a year ago, I kind of felt like, man, life is great and comfortable and we're this and that. And it is, this is the way it will always be. Always going to be this be. way. Whatever the situation is at that moment, it's easy to just forget that it won't always be the way it is at that moment. So it won't always be the way it is right now. That's the important part of this podcast right here. It yeah. will not always be the way it is right now. And your kids could easily come out on the other side of this recession with a completely different feeling about that one month or two month or six month period in your in your life when, when they were living, wherever you're living right now. They might remember that as among the best times they ever had because mom or dad was home and they did things that they didn't do before and maybe they didn't get to do after yeah it's also a good chance to teach maybe some older kids who are teenagers if you're having career discussions with kids this would be uh this would add a new layer to that conversation and those kids will be able to visualize that in a in a way they might not have been able to um a year ago good point thanks for tuning in and we will catch you next time see ya